the free for all roundtable round two on round two deb hutton is here former advisor to two ontario premiers michelle morrow is a music teacher bob richardson senior counsel at national public relations and you know what just because the fire's still hot i want to set aside the qp strike for a moment and talk about what the minister had to say a few minutes ago the housing minister for ontario talking about taking away some chunks of the green belt uh, for housing. And, uh, you know, Bob, I'll start with you on this one. Of course, the government's going to make a very persuasive case about the need for housing, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to start sacrificing the green belt. I mean, the green belt for many people is kind of sacred, and it's not about a, a sweet thing where we've just left things green and it's pretty. I mean, it's quite necessary to contain urban sprawl and for all kinds of, you know, water that is that we're going to drink and water that needs to run off. I couldn't agree. Uh, I couldn't agree more, John. And there's been a number of developers who have been licking their chops on those specific pieces of, uh, of land that are in the 7,400 acres that they're talking about. Now they get an opportunity to get it. I say on this one, follow the money. It would be interesting to see who has, uh, who has uh, opportunities with that land. And the green belt was never meant to be the, you know, the Mandarin buffet where you kind of belly up and take this piece and that thing and maybe some uh, a little bit over there too as well. It was meant to be uh, there in per, I can never pronounce the word. Uh, not to be used. It was uh, <laughs> uh, not to be used there, there for all time, and uh, and uh, if anything, to be grown. So I think they have a, a little bit of a problem on this issue. I think they have some explaining to do. I like Steve Clark. I think he's been a very good minister. I think he's a straightforward, honest guy. But on this issue, I think they have some questions that they need to answer. And Michelle Morrow, one of the things the minister said, and I was running out of time, so I had to decide what kind of a fight I was going to pick. But he said that these properties that are going to be developed are next to properties that have already been developed, which sounds compelling, except somewhere you have to draw the line and the development ends. The very fact that they are close to development is no argue as to why they should be built upon as well. Yeah, I agree. I would be a lot more inclined to um, perhaps side with their cho- with their choosing to cut up the green belt if we saw the work that had been done to show that this was the only option. Like, how have we looked at other properties? Have we looked at other land that we could be using? Could we turn something else into housing? I wish this didn't feel like it was the first resort. And am I correct that one of Steve, Steve Clark's defenses was that it was an election and that's why he said it? It's one of the first things he said to you. Well, it was an election. Yeah. And I can't believe he's trying to use that as an excuse. Well, of course, because politicians say whatever during the election to get elected. Because that's going to yeah. look good for you. I guess, Deb Hutton, we could say that was the 2018 election. So that was a promise good for the first four years. But now it's subject to negative billing renewal. Yeah. And listen, I never like, uh, no matter what government, when you make a commitment and you don't stand by it, period, full stop. However, on this issue, let me take on Bob a little bit. It was always contemplated that you could swap out land. The liberals did it. That is what's happening here. It's not fair to say we're going to have a smaller green belt. We're going to have a different green belt. And in terms of the arbitrary nature of this and, and the point you just made, John, it's sort of next to a big development. When the liberals drew the green belt line, they actually left out land that communities had already serviced water and sewer left sitting there so i don't know why doug's line is any different than dalton's line in terms of making these decisions now if there is a concern about a conflict of interest if there is a concern about a more sensitive piece of land then let's take the time to have that discussion but the notion that you you 
are more arbitrary today than when the greenbelt lines were were drawn or that today's plan is worse than the original plan, I just don't buy. Oh, believe me, on this, on electricity, uh, liberals can screw it all up just as badly as conservatives. But I think we come back to whether or not this is good policy. But listen, I want to move on to a few other things. Uh, The premier will probably arrive at a microphone in short order, along with the education minister. Here we are Monday awaiting a decision as to whether or not the strike that began on Friday is legal. Um, But Michelle Morrow, I'll start with you. I just I I didn't see a lot on the weekend that convinces me that we're going to get any unless somebody makes some sort of a revolutionary declaration this morning at nine or ten. No, I feel the same way. I feel like we're everyone is trying to make their side look the best, um, maybe hoping to win over more people to their side. But until we see concrete action that either the two sides that the two sides are coming to the table and they're actually working on it, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. I think this is just PR to make everyone look good and okay. try to win people over. Well, Deb, do you join others in the speculation that maybe what the premier is going to say is that he wants to make education an essential service? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd be happy with that, quite frankly, because I'm done. John, my kids both start school at 830 in the morning, and both of them are sitting upstairs doing squat. Neither of them have what you call synchronous learning. They both have, quote, asynchronous learning that I think when it goes in the dictionary, because I didn't know the word before the pandemic, means teachers don't teach, period, full stop, and kids are left out in the cold. I am sick and tired of this. The labor unions can come together. They can talk about a general strike. They can say this is about our rights, but not one word of that says kids have the right to an education in this province. And I, you can hear it in my voice. My kids are losing out because of this crap. Bob Richardson. Uh, look, either we have uh, collective bargaining in the province or we don't. And if they come forward and they say that they make it, uh, if they take away collective bargaining in the education sector and it uh, stuff is uh, arbitrated, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Uh, and it's something that I think that needs to be seriously, uh, seriously looked at so we can avoid some of these situations. But we can't have the situation that we just had in the last two weeks where the government has its hand, uh, its arm, and half of its body on the scale of justice, and that there is no, uh, there is no fairness and there is no collective bargaining. Um, you have to pick a lane here. They haven't picked a lane, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in today. Let's move on to the ongoing inquiry in Ottawa into the declaration of the Emergencies Act. It was popular in the immediate aftermath of its declaration. A majority of Canadians supported it. And now here we are, I think, into the fourth week of this inquiry. And another poll finds that Canadians are still majority on board. Michelle Morrow, um, I don't know. There could be testimony and evidence that is introduced over the course of the next two or three weeks that will change people's minds. But at the moment, most people seem unshaken in the conclusion that the feds had to invoke the act. Yeah, I think listening to some of the clips that you've played, especially the one that you played of the just getting trying to get a witness to admit that she wouldn't have wanted this on her in her own backyard sort of thing it's it's really when you watch it it's really telling to see how people felt that we um it, people are really the people who were involved are really digging in their heels and saying they were in the right but for us on the outside watching it i'm like for me i, I think they had no choice but to invoke it and it's interesting to see that that's slowly winning people over and i don't know if that was the point of um 
of this overall. But I think you're winning people over saying that looking at the people they interviewed and looking at the way it went down is that they had no other option. Bob Richardson, the more cynical amongst our listeners, insists that the whole inquiry was organized in order to sell it. I have a feeling the judge is approaching this with a degree of uh, objectivity and merely wants to decide what the mandate was. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've worked in government. They're not that competent to be able to pull that off. It's been my experience. But anyways, look, uh, I think the, the, the reason the numbers have been going up or, or are still very strong and people think it, uh, the government was right in doing it, just take a look at the Academy Award win- winning performances by the freedom uh, witnesses last week. They showed themselves to be narcissistic, entitled, not very bright, uh, well, questionable money uh, backing this whole thing. And I think people looked at that and said, enough. Uh, they did the right thing. Let's move on. And Deb Hutton, last word on this file. And uh, I agree with Bob. I mean, he's perhaps being a little too sweeping in his condemnation. But um, in the testimony that's been offered by organizers and participants, there seems to be an entitlement about, well, it was so important, the point we wanted to make, then anything, you know, any tactic was understandable. And then you have people laughing and saying it wasn't three weeks of horn honking, it was one. I'd say 10 minutes of horn honking had to be shut down. Yeah, I think we've learned three things uh, over the last, what has it been, three and a bit weeks, that the police were in absolute disarray, and that means not just Ottawa, but writ large, all of that. I mean, that really, really upsetting. Secondly, that life was incredibly difficult for families and businesses in the area that was impacted. And third, the organizers don't extra exactly strike me as competent or, quite frankly, sometimes uh, mentally stable individuals. So all of those things would say, if those were the pieces of information on the table when the government made the decision, of course you'd make the decision. Let's listen in to Christia Freeland in a somewhat unguarded moment because she's very very media savvy. I don't know how she thought this was going to go well. And I think Canadian families are looking really closely at all of their expenses. I personally, as a mother and wife, look carefully at my credit card bill once a month. And last Sunday, I said to the kids, you're older now. You don't want to watch Disney anymore. Let's cut that Disney Plus subscription. So we cut it. It's only $13.99 a month that we're saving. But every little bit helps. And I think every mother in Canada is doing that right now. Okay, Bob Richardson, a little tone deaf, yes? Uh, yeah, I would say woof. Uh, it's well-intentioned, <laughs> ill-advised. Uh, and I think politicians ought to be cautious when they when they do this. It, I, my favorite comment I saw on this on Twitter was somebody said, great idea, 15,000 years from now I'll be able to own a home if I save that money. <laughs> yeah, Michel Moreau, it was a very, uh, on va les laisser voir le Disney Channel. yes i agree and she sounded so rehearsed that she'd said it she sounded as if she had practiced it and it was very clearly laid out that she felt like she was saying this and she was going to make herself more um relatable but it but in the grand scheme of things that 13.99 um is not going to help me week to week on my grocery bill i wish she could have pulled it over and be like you know what the way families are looking at their bills we are doing that as a government the way you're worried about things we are worried about things too and we're going to find our best way to do this there were so many other ways she could have spun this and she just sounded so out of touch and i just wanted to like 
lash out and be like, this is not going to help. And I need my Disney Plus for my kids. They love it. There you go. Yeah, Deb Hutton, maybe your two daughters could be upstairs watching Disney Plus now. <laughs> well, they may well be since I've been down here. Let me just say, I want to know what her husband did wrong because she said she looked at her credit card bill as both a wife and a mother. So I want to know what was cut on his bill. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe he's got a few subscriptions we don't need to talk about. Thank you all. Great discussion. Michelle Morrow, Deb Hutton, Bob Richardson. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.